0: This is the Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. An event took place here in my city of Ramat Beit Shemesh last week, and that event made me think of a pasuk in this week's parsha, Nitzavim, in Parak Lamed, pasuk Kafchet. The Torah states, "Hanistarot lashem lanu adolam lasot et kol hazot." The hidden things are to Hashem, our God, and the revealed to us and our children forever, to do all the words of this Torah. And this verse is quoted in the High Holiday Liturgy. There are numerous interpretations. The way I've always thought about this pasuk is saying that the nishtarot, the hidden things, the final result of our actions, that's up to God. Whether we succeed in reaching the goals that we set, that's for God to decide. Haniglot, the revealed things, that which we can control and must control, For us and our children, is to keep the words of the Torah. We cannot try to reach a good and virtuous goal by illegitimate means. Even if our final goal, the nistarot, is something which is extremely good, something extremely desirable, something which is good for Am Yisrael, the people of Israel, if it's done through an illegitimate means, that's a violation of this pasuk. We cannot reach good ends. Through illegitimate means. And this event reminded me of that Pasuk, as well as something spoken in Shul by the Rav of My Shul, Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, a few weeks ago. He quoted something from Rav Aaron Lichtenstein's Tzatzal in the name of Rav Chaim's father, Rav Aaron Soloveitchik's Tzatzal. On the Pasuk, Tzedek Tzedek Tirdov, chase after righteousness, and the word Tzedek is doubled. And Rav Aaron Soloveitchik demonstrates from a Pasuk in Preshit that when something is doubled, it means the highest level. It doesn't just mean righteousness, but righteousness achieved through a righteous process. Rav Chaim quoted his father, of Aaron Salveitchik, as saying that in Judaism, reaching something through illegitimate means, saying that the ends justify the means, is repugnant. In Judaism, saying that the ends justify the means is repugnant. What about all the situations we see where sometimes the Torah itself tells us to violate the Torah for some higher end? For example, one is allowed to lie in certain circumstances for the sake of peace in the home. Or, for example, the fact that one can break Shabbat for the sake of saving a life. Aren't these examples of the ends justifying the means? And the answer is quite simple. They are, but that's only because the Torah itself in these situations allows it. The Torah itself says that for the sake of shalom b'ayi, for peace in the home, one doesn't always have to tell the truth. The Torah itself says that for the sake of saving a life, one can break Shabbat. But in the absence of a specific command and allowance from the Torah, the end justifying the means is repugnant to Judaism. And the event that happened last week in Ramat Beit Shemesh was a very simple event. And today in this Orthodox conundrum, I'm gonna talk about how the ends can't justify the means and how it relates to that event. In our next episode, part two of the ends justifying the means, I'm going to give a completely different example of the same phenomenon. People saying the ends justifying the means and how it's a serious, serious violation of Judaism. What was the event? A local synagogue, or perhaps a group which rented a room in a synagogue, invited somebody to speak the person they invited to speak, was someone named Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi. Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi is a well-known of rabbi. He is somebody who, according to his own testimony about himself, has made 150,000 Jews religious. He has done so through videos, through CDs, audio recordings. And Rabbi Mizrahi does this. His of methodology is quite controversial. It's what we might call fire and brimstone. Now, I can't condemn Rabbi Mizrahi for his fire and brimstone. Do I think that's productive? No. Do I think that is a good way for someone to do kiruv? No. I think it's counterproductive. I frankly am unsure about his claim that he has made 150,000 people religious. However, simply look at Parsha Kitavo and the Tochicha, or Parsha Bechukotai and the Tochicha. there. There is a concept of people using harsh language in order to get people to do the right thing. So merely the fact that he uses such harsh language and threatens punishments, etc., is not enough that I would say the ends justifying the means is relevant to him. Because while I don't agree with those methods, and even though it is in the Torah, I could easily argue it's very different when it's Moshe Rabbeinu giving the scolding, and the Rambam himself says that a shul should set up or a community should set up and have a person who can give the people chastisements. He also says it's somebody who is beloved, an elder of the community, not somebody who just comes through the community. So certainly that wouldn't apply to a roving of rabbi. There are many reasons why I could disagree and do disagree strongly with this method and would never advocate this method and would strongly discourage anyone from listening to such a method. But on its own, that's an issue of tactics and that is not a reason to condemn him. I also cannot condemn Rabbi Mizrahi for his character. I don't know him. I've never met him. For all I know, he's a completely righteous human being, a tzaddik gamor when he doesn't open up his mouth on video or on audio. For all I know, he is a perfect person except for the times when he opens his mouth, which I'll get to in a moment. For all I know, this man is a tzaddik. Who am I to probe into his character and say that he's anything other than being a tzaddik. How can I assume that? So I certainly would not condemn him for his behavior. I don't know his behavior. I only know that which he says in public. So what's the problem? Why am I using Rabbi Mizrahi as an example of the ends not justifying the means? The issue actually is that Yosef Mizrahi does three things that cannot be defended and which are examples of the ends justifying the means of saying something which is unacceptable, halachically unacceptable, in order to make people religious. And we cannot, we cannot allow the valid goal of spreading Torah in the world to be done via means which is ugly and which is improper and which is halachically dubious or worse. And the three things I want to mention are this. First of all, Rabbi Mizrahi says things which are very hurtful very hurtful to people who are currently alive. Painful, ugly things. Second of all, Rabbi Mizrahi claimed to know God's reasoning. He claims to understand why God does things in a way that no human being could possibly understand. And third of all, he speaks about people who attack him in the most vile and offensive manner. He declares his attackers, and when I say attackers, I mean people who disagree with him, perhaps strongly, but he declares them rishaim, wicked, he condemns them to hell, he calls them heretics. All of these things, being hurtful, claiming to know the mind of God, and calling people out as rishaim, are unacceptable in any context. They are morally, halachically unacceptable and wrong. And should somebody try to say that the ends, making people religious, justify the means... That is a falsehood. That is repugnant to Judaism. Even if it convinces 150,000 people to follow the Torah, and again, I don't buy that number, the ends don't justify the means. Hanistarot Lashem Elokeinu, the ultimate end belongs to God. The way to get there must be legitimate. You may not use illegitimate, hurtful, and vile methodology to reach something which is ostensibly an admirable goal. Rather than quote Rabbi Mizrahi myself, I'm going to let Rabbi Mizrahi speak to you and tell you himself how he feels. I'll give you an example where Rabbi Mizrahi says that he knows God's reasoning and he says something which is extraordinarily hurtful. Listen to his explanation of why children are born with Down syndrome or autism.
1: Down syndrome, autistic, and any other problem, it's a punishment as a result of the previous life. Sometimes a person in a previous life, all what he used to do is speak Lashonara, gossip. Puts down people, make damages to people, write about them in a newspaper and destroy their life. So he has to get punished measure for measure. Since he was making sins with his mouth and his ears, God brings him to the world mute and deaf. You understand? That's pure punishment. Those kind of people don't have a test anymore. It's punishment 100%. A Down syndrome or autistic kid doesn't have to put filial, doesn't have to keep Shabbat, he's not a sinner. It's nice if his parents teach him to do it, but if he doesn't do it, he doesn't get punished. Why? Because his brain damage. His brain damage, the reason his brain is not connected to the body like a normal person is, because he's not in a test. God does not expect him to know Torah, to learn Torah. To understand what's good what's bad nothing he only want him here 40 years to suffer that he can send him to heaven why he needs to suffer measure for measure you spoke bad about people for the previous life now you're gonna feel what is it to live 40 years without be able to say a word you used to hear a lot of juicy gossip and enjoy bad things that happen to people now you're gonna live 30 40 years unable to hear and to understand anything that's what it is, you understand? It's all measure for measure.
0: Would a parent with a child who has Down syndrome find Rabbi Mizrahi's words comforting or extraordinarily painful? Would these words be acceptable? Saying things which are painful and untrue. How dare he say this? How dare he claim to know Dat Elion, the mind of God? I know the answer. Mizrahi's defenders often will say he tells it like it is. He's blunt. He says things you don't want to know but are true because he can quote a Gemara, he can quote a Chazal, he can quote a Zohar, he can quote Rishonim or Achronim. He can. Of course he can. Do you know what that is? Do you know what it means to take a Mamar Chazal, a word of our sages, out of context or even in context, but in isolation from the rest of rabbinic literature and start using it to make hurtful claims like this? That is by definition a shallow a shallow and ugly use of the Torah. It's taking a safer Torah and treating it like garbage. Dracheha ha noam, the ways of Torah are ways of pleasantness. This is disgusting. And the fact that you can quote somebody who said this or even multiple people who said this means that you are thinking in a shallow, ignorant manner. The ends don't justify the means. Here's another example. I'm going to let Rabbi Mizrahi tell you whether soldiers in the Israeli army who are not religious and killed in the line of duty go to heaven or hell. The
1: people that fight in the army, the Israeli army, they die. Yeah. They don't go straight to heaven? No, they don't go straight to heaven. This is what some rabbis tell you, stories. They're not going to heaven. If the Mechalel Shabbat, even if he fights for the Israeli army, if he dies, he has no share to the world to come. And if you don't believe me, go and check how many seans they did to these soldiers. And all of them were in Geyenom.
0: So according to Mizrahi, a soldier who gives his life for Am Yisrael is inferior to him and every other Shomer Shabbat Jew. He's going to hell. Would a parent of a soldier be comforted hearing this? And where does he have the audacity to make such an astoundingly false and hurtful and wicked claim. Kol Yisrael ham Le Lam Haba. It's a Mishnah Masachets Anhedrim Mizrahi. There are exceptions, and being El Shabbat is not one of them. Maybe you can quote somebody who says this. Why not quote the people who don't say it? Why not quote the people who say he's going directly to Gan Eden to paradise because this man is a Tzadik. He gave his life for Am Yisrael. How dare you try to say something else? I don't care even if you think it in the depths of your soul. That's not something you say out loud. And I don't care if it makes 100,000 people religious. It's not okay. The ends don't justify the means to say such an ugly, horrible piece of slander. I'm certainly not going to give an exhaustive list of the offensive and terrible and evil things that he has said. I'm giving you a sample. But I want to move on to a different topic, the third thing, where Mizrahi attacks people who attack him. Let me give you an example of how they attacked Mizrahi. I use the word attack in quotes. There were 16 rabbis in 2016 who put out a letter together saying the following. As Rabbanim and Mechanchim, we are greatly concerned about the popularity in some circles of a Kiruv approach that does not bring honor to the Torah, Haktosha, but on the contrary creates considerable Chilul Hashem. Earlier this year, Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi apologized for one particularly offensive statement that he made on several occasions. But he has voiced, both before and since that apology, many things that reduce complex issues to simplistic and misleading sound bites. He has also repeatedly arrogated to know why unfortunate things happen to various people and has presented subtle statements of Chazal in superficial and deceptive ways. That method may entertain and even stimulate some audiences but it does no justice to the Jewish Masorah. And, especially with the worldwide audience enjoyed by any public speech these days, misleading assertions, even when offered with the best of intentions, are particularly objectionable and even dangerous. Jewish institutions must be discerning about the credentials and the histories of those to whom they offer the honor of acting as teachers of Torah. We urge all shuls and organizations to act responsibly and take seriously decisions about whom they invite to address their gatherings. This is the attack, so to speak, against Yosef Mizrahi. It was signed by 16 prominent rabbis. I know a number of them. Others of them I've heard of. One, in fact, is my own Rosh Hashiva. Every person on this list whom I've heard of is a chacham and virtuous. These are good people. Rabbi Mizrahi has the right to disagree with them. He has the right to defend himself. But that's not what he does. He does not disagree or defend himself in a modest, self-effacing way, as I would expect from a public speaker and teacher of Torah. As the Rambam says, a person should be insulted but not insult back. Being insulted but not insulting back does not appear to be Rabbi Mizrahi's derech, his way. Listen to what he says about them.
1: Well, one thing, like I say, this is the way it's supposed to be, criticism is supposed to be, because the Satan is nervous, the Satan is doing everything he can to prevent Baalei Tshuva. One thing I tell you for sure, that if someone would understand the value of what does it mean to take a Jew and make him religious, then he would know that no matter what, you don't make a beep ever against someone who does it. You don't like him, you don't like his shitah, you hate him as a human being, whatever you have the case is, you would be quiet. Why? Because you know there's nothing Hashem wants more than this, that his children will come back to him. Just for that, if you really loved Hashem, you would be quiet. You would never dare to criticize on the internet or to write letters. That's a wicked person. Only an evil, wicked person, a hater of Hashem, is able to do such thing. There's no other explanation for these people. They are the Erev Rav that the Zohar spoke about, that they will come before Mashiach comes to cool off the nation. And it says clearly, the Erev Rav says clearly how the leaders of, some of the leaders of this generation, that's how they're going to look.
0: Only an evil, wicked person, a hater of Hashem, can do such things. That's what Rabbi Mizrahi says about the Boston Rebbe. That's what Rabbi Mizrahi says about Rav Gidalia Dov Schwartz, the Rosh Din in Chicago. That's what Rabbi Mizrahi says about 14 other individuals who are important disseminators of Torah. Evil, wicked people who hate God. A good friend of mine named Rabbi Natan Slifkin publicly criticized Mizrahi on his blog. Did Rabbi Mizrahi take it with equanimity?
1: Just when I came here today, one Rashad that lives here in town had something to say. <coughs> He wrote against me. How did they let me come and speak here? He forgot to say that all the rabbis in the world put him in Cherem, that he's on a ban. He forgot. He forgot to say that these are arabi who make fun at Chazal. He forgot to say all the history. This is the kind of people that we have among us. They are the real enemies of the Jewish nation. Those are the people with a very big mitzvah to hate them. To hate them. you read in the Gemara, I can give you sources nonstop. Those are the people that are real danger for our existence.
0: He forgot to say that he's not Picores, who makes fun of Chazal. He forgot all the history. I guarantee you that Rabbi Nathan Slifkin did not forget all the history. I also can guarantee you that Rabbi Mizrahi doesn't know anything about that history, except what he reads in the papers, because he got it wrong. Read any of his books. He never makes fun of Chazal. How dare you put that slander out in public in his own city? You can disagree with him, but how can you say things which are lies? Rabbi Natan Slifkin is one of the finest human beings and Jewish people I know. Anyone can disagree with his or anybody else's opinions. How can Mizrahi do such a terrible thing to a good friend of mine who is a good, upstanding Torah Jew? Disgraceful! Calling people who disagree with you Rishaim is a horrible thing to do. Saying that people you disagree with are wrong is fine, and you should defend yourself if you feel that it's warranted. To talk about them like this is unacceptable. Let me give one more example. There's somebody who set up a Facebook page to go up against Rabbi Mizrahi. I don't think that's inappropriate, but let's assume for the moment that it's the wrong thing to do. Let's assume for a moment, for the sake of argument, that it is a form of Lashon Hara. What should be the response of a teacher of Torah to that sort of action? Should he publicly say, that person has his or her own issues, I'm not going to get involved? Let's see what Mizrahi said about this person.
1: Did She will get the biggest Auschwitz you can think. (laughs) Auschwitz is a picnic. She's going to be there for eternity. She will never come out of there. And all the people who are on her page, just as much. No different. Korach, all the people who joined him, died with him for eternity. And that's what's going to happen to everyone who believes her and follow her and stay on her page or does whatever they do or comments over there or support what she does. They're all going to end... For eternity of suffering, non-stop. She, she, non-stop, eternity of suffering. Does she follow the Torah? Does she does uh, to it, Someone that follows the Torah fight against someone who makes people religious. What kind of... It's like asking if Hitler followed the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> She's much worse than Hitler. Much worse, because Hitler killed bodies. She killed souls of people. At least that's her attention. She killed souls. You understand? The Torah says, If you murder the person, it's a very big sin. But if you made him secular, it's a million times bigger sin. That's what she does. Hitler didn't care religion, no religion. He wanted to kill all people, all Jews, Jews, non Jews. He killed. He didn't kill you because you're religious. He didn't kill you. He killed you because you're Jewish. That's it. It's not like the Greeks. The Greeks wanted to cancel the Torah ideology. So they went only after religious Jews. The Mithyavnim, they promoted them. People who gave up religion, the Greeks not only did not touch them, they actually loved them and gave them rights. The Romans and the Nazis, they went after bodies. They killed bodies. Even though the Romans also made decrees against the Torah, because they wanted to make the Jews depressed and weak. But their main agenda was to kill them or to control them and to collect tax from them. But what people like her, which are the biggest monsters in the history, people like her, you know, she wants to take someone that may become religious, or is already religious, and by brainwashing him with her nonsense and things like that, to make him go away from religion. And even if she succeeds a little bit, she's going to be responsible for all the crimes these people would ever make and their children for eternity. That's why I say she's much worse than Hitler.
0: Condemning somebody to the big Auschwitz for eternity, saying that Auschwitz is a picnic compared to what this person is going to get for the crime of insulting Rabbi Mizrahi, that is wicked behavior. That is behavior that a teacher of Torah should be ashamed to even countenance and not call out publicly. And to do it is disgraceful. It's repugnant. And even if, even if somehow you want to claim that it's in order to make people religious, that's why you're criticizing those who criticize you. Even if you want to make that dubious argument, the ends justifying the means in Judaism is repugnant. Once again, I don't know Rabbi Mizrahi. For all I know, when he's not speaking publicly, He's a righteous man. I would never dare say that Mizrahi is wicked because I don't know him. I only know what I hear. I can say this is a wicked thing. This is an evil thing. This is an ugly distortion of Torah. This is not religious Judaism. This is a perversion. Once again, I'm describing what he's saying, not who he is. That is something which I couldn't know. I do, however, hear his wicked words his hurtful and anti-halachic words. But the message isn't to Mizrahi. The message is to the rest of us who invite people like him to our communities. I certainly wouldn't invite somebody who says hurtful things in public which can cause parents of sick children to cry. I certainly wouldn't invite somebody who claims in the most shallow manner imaginable that he knows the reason for things that no man, including Moshe Rabbeinu, could possibly know. So, like, Gemara and Brachot Dav Moshe didn't know it, but Mizrahi apparently knows it. That is unacceptable. That is not the way it works. And people who think that this man speaks truth are acting in saying that as shallow as he is. People who think that the methodology he uses makes people religious. It may or it may not. It doesn't change the fact that it's illegitimate. It doesn't change the fact that it's anti-halachic. It doesn't change the fact that it is repugnant. As we come close to the Amim Ra'im, as we get ready to do Cheshbon HaNefesh, to look at who we really are, what kind of role models do we want to set up for ourselves? Do we want people who make Torah ugly or beautiful? Do we want people who are willing to bear insult, or people who lash back harder than they are hit? Do we want people who claim modestly not to understand the divine will and to only know what we can possibly know? Or do we want people who claim to know that which is fundamentally and definitionally unknowable? Yosef Mizrahi must not speak anymore in Jewish communities until he changes the way he speaks. Yosef Mizrahi as a speaker, must be shunned by our communities. Yosef Mizrahi may not be invited anymore to our communities. We must stop it now. The ends don't justify the means. When you see that Pasuk quoted on Shabbat, when you hear that verse cited in the liturgy, Hanistarot l'ashem elokeinu, only God knows if we will reach our goal in the end. Haniglot l'anu ulvanenu ad olam, the revealed things, that is what's to us and to our children forever. To do what the Torah says to do. When somebody violates the Torah, when somebody speaks evil speech in order to fulfill the Torah, that is an example of a violation of this pasuk. It is an example of a violation of that pasuk tzedek tzedek tirdof, that things must be done in such a manner that the ends don't justify the means. The ends justifying the means is a machla, It's a sickness, and it's infected our communities. Today, in talking about Yosef Mizrahi, I brought him as one example of this, but he's only one example. Unfortunately, in the Torah world, there are many more, and not only involving Kiruv. And in our next episode, I'll give another example, which is equally insidious, which is equally problematic, which is equally evil. The fact that it's done by Torah Jews only makes it a Khil Hashem as well. I'm Scott Kahn. Please subscribe to this podcast series at iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Orthodox Conundrum on jewishcoffeehouse.com.